This is Lego Football. The very best of Italian football brought to you right here. You're with David Farini, Serie A, Serie B commentator. It's playoff time. We're into the second week of them. And today we're focusing on FC Bari and their match against Sutirol. Yes. Yes. Welcome back to the Lego Football Podcast. You're here with David Farini and I've got a special guest. We're going to talk about Bari. They're back and they're pushing for Serie A promotion and it's a couple of days before the second leg of the semi-final against Sutirol. But it is a club that has come back from the depths of despair and revamped under the De Laurentiis family. Luigi is in charge. The Galetti, the Biancorossi, under Mignani. I've got Jeremy Bowling. I'll just drop that name in there as well with the Mignanis of the world. At FC Bari Brit on Twitter. Jeremy, come stai? Tutto posto? Bene, bene. Grazie, uh, David. Yes, and thank you very much for having me on this pod. It feels a great privilege to be on to talk about my, um, really my favourite subject, which is uh, FC Bari, basically, it's, or SSC Bari, to be absolutely correct. Well, technical correctness is, is fine here because at the moment it's 1-0 for Sutirol, technically, and Bari technically need at least one goal. They just need to get the draw on aggregate to get through to the next round. Sutirol, one goal up. It was a bit of a heartbreaker at the end with uh, Rovers' header. But we're going to go into the who, what, when, how and why. We're going to talk about life in Bari. A couple of areas to go and have a drink for those who might go. In just in case they end up in Bari this Friday for the game against Sutirol. And if they host the final, if the Bianco Rossi are in the final, June 11th, isn't it? The second leg. Get down to one of the main areas of Bari. A favourite food and drink that Jeremy enjoys. The atmosphere in the stadium. What it's like to be a Bari supporter in 2023, the season in general, the playoffs, your life in Bari, Jeremy. How did you end up there? And tell us exactly what Bari is like and your favourite places to go. Sure. Okay, well, we moved, my wife and I, we moved here about 15 years ago. And the reason we cho- chose um, Puglia, it was my wife chose it because she was actually brought up in Malta. And she said it really reminded her of growing up as a child in Malta, uh, which is quite interesting. So we actually moved to a small town called Caravino which is in, um, in Puglia, which is about 40 minutes outside of, of Bari. And um, we, we, we found a very old dilapidated um, property, which we spent all our money trying to do up. It's still not finished. And um, we started, both started working teaching English, which worked out to be very successful for us. My wife still does it. Um, I um, got into... Um, Sporting Bari because I was working at a company called Natuzzi SPA, which is a big um, furniture company, which is headquarters are in the province of Bari. And I got two 20-week contracts teaching English to the heads of department and various other designers and things like that. And one or two of the lads there took me along to see uh, Bari in 2010. And that's when I became completely hooked and have been a, a bonamenti ever since. Uh, Bari itself is a city I Brilliant. really like. It's uh, we're both very fond of it. It's a real what I call continental city. It's not as pretty as Lecce, I would have to admit that, but it has a tremendous life and soul to it. Um, we obviously visit it a lot. We tend to pop in on the train because um, parking is can be quite difficult. Um, a number of these very good for shops and also it's on the sea as well which is unusual for a large city in fact the Boresi have a saying 
that uh, if Paris was by the sea, it would be known as Piccolobari, which I think sums up the Baresi's sense of humour, really. Some of, <laughs> some of our favourite places, if, if you're coming to visit Bari, a um, couple of things I would recommend um, to see and obviously to places to go and eat. Obviously, you must visit the old town, the Bari Vecchia, um, which is amazing. It's all narrow alleys. It's not dissimilar to parts of Naples. It's old-fashioned, lovely old shops. You'll see the old um, nonna, the old nonna making the uh, oricchietta pasta out on the street. And there's a great. Oh, I love that. Yeah, there's, there's a great atmosphere to it. Um, you can go and see the um, um, Basilica San Nicola, of course, where the bones of San Nicola are kept. So don't tell the kids because that's where Father Christmas is. Okay. <laughs> You can go and see that. Oh, so I mean, maybe they can go and pray to the just right next to to that and see what they can get from Babbo Natale. It's, uh, it's six months away until Christmas, so we'll see what happens. But Carovino is is just down near Ostuni. That's from what I'm just looking at the map since you've mentioned it. Yes. Yeah, that's a great place to go. And and you, on the way on the train, you go past Polignano Amare. That's where they have those. Is that where they have the famous? restaurants embedded inside the caves and on the cliffs there yes they do they certainly do the cave um uh, i've never been to them my wife has but she that, that, that was a, a grateful client she was doing some language translation for an architect and um she was taken there by the uh, architect's family f- um for dinner one night it's extremely expensive but she really liked it also they have the red ball cliff diving there um every year which is quite a thing to see and um, it's, it's part of it's part of the cliff diving circuit, and, and one of the more memorable places um, um, for it to take place. You got Polignano Amari, Monopoly, of course. The train goes through Monopoly again, which is another place really worth visiting. But uh, m- moving back to Bari, I, I, I would recommend a couple of things if you were there. It's uh, near the Teatro Margherita is the little fishing port. Um, where you can have the most wonderful panzerotti and a peroni for your lunch um, at the end of the pier there. And also there's, there's all the fishermen bringing in their morning catch. You can buy your fresh fish and also have, if it's to your taste, really fresh raw sepia, you know, which goes very nicely with the panzerotti. Nice. And I'm sure the people coming from Bolzano would, would love to have some seafood because they live in the mountains. If they're coming to watch their team, Sutirol, this Friday... That's Jeremy's recommendation. Yeah, it's my, my other recommendation, of course, is, would, would be to try something else unique to Bari. And let's go to it. There are several restaurants we do this, but the original one apparently is one called Al Sorso Preferito, which is on Via Vito Nicola di Nicolò, which is where you can have, they specialise in the spaghetti assassino, which is a dish, a spaghetti dish unique to Bari where the spaghetti is actually just placed in a really big iron pan and is effectively burnt and it's cooked by you 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 you, you gently baste this um, tomato sugo with pepperoncino in it so it's quite spicy and the and the spaghetti just cooks in the um, the sugo when you add it to this spread it on this with this hot pan i'm not an expert in this so the spaghetti isn't boiled in water first and it has this unique sort of burnt quality and is quite spicy with the pepperoncino, but people really must try that because that is a, a unique Tabari 
dish, the spaghetti assassino. Well, I've just seen a picture of it. I've just looked it up since you mentioned it. So it's yeah. called the killer spaghetti. Puglia's killer spaghetti. It looks amazing. Yes, it is. It is. Wow. It's quite spicy. Instead of boiling the spaghetti, it's cooked directly in the pan. Wow. That's it. Yeah. So it has a sort of burnt quality to it. It has a burnt, you know. And uh, it's, it's good. It's good. I like it. Not everybody's taste, of course, but it's very, very popular in Bari and unique to the city, of course, which is good. And, of course, you, 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 the other things you could do, you could get down the, the Lungamara, you could walk along the Lungamara, which is the long seafront, um, which is particularly nice, especially when the weather's nice. And it's a um, really pleasant place to be. And um, although it's a busy city, of course, and the other thing about Bari, of course, is that the Bari Centrale does what it says on the tin. The station is right in the centre of the city. So if you go by train, you really are walking distance from everywhere that's worth seeing in Bari, which is really nice. You know, it's really handy that rather than being you know, one of these stations, which is a long way out of town. So. And that's, that's, re- that's really nice. So it's a city I've always enjoyed the atmosphere. Perfect. And, and it's about, about an hour from Carovino to the stadium for you. And this season, I mean, on that hour-long trip, do you think about how much better Bari is in 2023? I mean, what's it like to be a Bari supporter this year? We'll go back 2018, bankrupt, and they've come in, just like they did with Napoli. The De Laurentiis have taken over. And now you're at the point five years later where it could be a return to the glory days. Well, it's extraordinary, um, David, what it feels like. And I, I often talk to my mate who I go to the game with, Nige, a big mate of mine here. We go to the games together. Um, and um, we, we often remind ourselves of the first home game we went to after bankruptcy, which was a Serie D Cup game, home to Bitonto, on, I think it was a Wednesday night in Bari, and there were 3,400 of us in that stadium. And Bari lost this cup game 1-0 at home to Bitonto, of all people. And we looked at each other and said, we looked at each other and we said, are we really going to stick with this? And we said we would. So we bought our season tickets and we stuck with it and we went to away games in Serie D, went to all sorts of... Um, exotic places, uh, particularly in Sicily, which was good fun. And um, they they got out of Serie D, which wasn't as easy as it looked at, because tourists had spent a lot of money that year and chased Bari very hard. Got into sea, and uh, as any football fan will tell you, there's always another team, isn't there? And of course, Serie C with just one guaranteed promotion spot is very difficult. You really have to win it, rather than going to those playoffs and Regina followed by uh, Ternana, had exceptional seasons, so it took Bari three years to get out of that, and eventually they did last year, which we were very grateful to um, Mr Mignani for that. And, of course, this year it's been extraordinary with them trundling about at the top of the table. It's been absolutely incredible. You know, you have, almost have to pinch yourselves. But we do remind ourselves of that night at home to Bitonto when they lost 1-0 at home to Bitonto in the cup game. I've just looked that up since you mentioned Bitonto against Bari in that cup. And I've seen the lineups here. Franco Brienza, 39 years old at the time, was an attacking midfielder. Yeah. They lost 1-0. I it guess was. some of the names, uh, Feola... Uh, Di Cesare was there. He was, yeah, indeed he was. Wow, and, yes. and uh, Bitonto, I mean, I don't think I really need to run through that lineup. I'm not sure many people would know <laughs> of any of the players, uh, but yeah. yeah, what a yeah. difference yeah. Yeah, five years can make coming up from, from that. And 
Uh, when you look at the players now, Kadira coming in, 17 goals, and they've made it into uh, yeah. the playoffs in third place. Like I said before at the top of the show, one win here at home or even, you know, just drawing on aggregate at any score, whether it's 2-1, as long as they win at home, they are going to host the playoff final on June the 11th. So they will have the advantage against whoever they face, whether it's Palmer or Cagliari. They will have that advantage 57, 58,000 capacity at the San Nicola. What's it like? They've actually refurbed parts of the stadium. Yes, they have. Um, the mayor, Mayor Decador, has actually been very progressive on this. And I think as, um, he was very keen to get it back on the international roster as well, as, especially, of course, with their talk about the 20, is it 2032 euros as well. So they sanctioned a lot of money. They replaced all the seating, which was badly in need of that, with this rather smart red and white seating. They virtually completed the whole stadium of that now. Was that the original seating from 1990? Yes, it was. Yes, yes, it was. Nothing had been done. Nothing had been done. As I often tell people, that the the the, um, the toilets, as legendarily described by Tim Parks in the season with Verona, are still there, <laughs> still there in their original form. Uh, but they've started refurb. They've done all the seats. They're they're committed, and they've started doing uh, replacing the petals, which they say are going to be done by August. One of the big electronic scoreboards is eventually it has eventually been refurbished and is up and running again. And um, they completely relayed the pitch this um, this summer as well, and that's been beautiful. The new pitch has been absolutely magnificent, and that's made a big difference, I think. You know, um, it has helped because it was it, it always had problems with its drainage before. It used to get quite muddy and cut up. So they've done a lot, and they're back on the international roster. They're hosting the game against Malta in the Euros in, in October, I believe. And that's going to be a very exciting moment for the city because I went to an international there a number of years ago and Italy played Holland in one of those early season friendlies. Um, I think the, is it an international weekend about early September they have one, don't we? And they played Holland about seven or eight years ago. Zaza, Simone Zaza. He scored for Italy, so that gives you, tells you how long ago that was, essentially. This was when, when they were in Serie B. This would be about 2014-ish, I think, when that was the last time they hosted an international game. So they're spending a lot on the stadium, which is really nice. They're uh, spending a lot of time, a lot of money on the stadium. So there's a hell of a lot to do, mind you, because all the concrete needs refurbishing and things like that. And there's lots of cracks. And it is not great. It's not a great place to be when it's teeming with rain, <laughs> unfortunately. It's been an absolute transformation um, this season. And, of course, you can imagine how we felt when there were 49,000 people there on Santa Stefano when we played Genoa and uh, in the nighttime game. It was just quite extraordinary. And although Bari lost, it was still an incredible evening that night, you know, and you just felt there's so much life in the city. And you just think the potential that's there, which they never quite seem to tap, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, Aurelio Di Laurentiis always said that he wanted to buy the club to help the south of Italy uh, increase in terms of quality and representation in Serie A. And it's the eighth most followed club, according to Aurelio. So there is a lot of potential, as you're saying, and a lot of good players there. A, a couple, I guess, that were on loan from Napoli, including uh, Follaruncio. 
And you've got other quality players in goal. You've got Caprile that's come in. Yes. There's Kedira, the Moroccan. It's a very Italian-looking lineup, but there's a good mix of international flavours there. So such a stunning transition to come up from Serie C and then finish third in Serie B, which we all know is a very, very tough league. It is nicknamed the Serie A2 and 65 points. That, that's a tremendous finish to the season. What's your take on, on Bari's season? Overall, you've got to be satisfied with the finish. Listen, it's ex- exceeded our wildest expectations, really. If you talk to anybody, you know, at the beginning of the season to talk about finishing third, you know, and th- that, that just wouldn't have come into the equation at all. And so they did, and they got off to a really good start. I think they benefited from the fact that a number of the bigger teams in the had some difficulty finding their feet. But Bari were very consistent, not exciting, but very consistent early on. And as Max Faulkner once said about golf match play, it's never too early to start winning. And that's what um, Bari did. So they were racking up points and getting themselves into a strong position. And became very difficult to beat. They were very difficult. They are a team that is difficult to beat. Even when they play really badly, they never ship a lot of goals. And I'm touching wood there because you never know what's just around the corner. But um, and that's been and that's been the thing. And although and one of the things I have to explain to people, and if you just look at the statistics, Bari are the third highest goal scorers in the division. But that's very misleading that because they do find goals quite difficult to come by. And I think 30% of their goals came in five games. They had three very big wins at home, which had all their which which had their individual narrative and were very misleading. But most of their games are one, two, you know, one nil, two one, that sort of thing. So it's it's really quite tight. So it's been quite a grind. But they've stuck at it. I I never thought that they would catch Genoa or Frosinone. Um, I was talking to the boys on the La Lanterna podcast, and and I said, and I put this in one of my little vlogs. I thought that Bari would have to win their last six or seven games to do that, to put any pressure on those two. And they were never going to do that because they've never done it in the time that I've been supporting them. So why would they start now? Well, they lost the last game of the season 4-3 against Genoa, but that was a way. And at the Marassi, it's always difficult to go, especially Genoa in the kind of form they're in. But they started the season with, I think it was eight games. They were undefeated to start this season off, which is a perfect start for a season of a team coming up from the third division. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They had this great big win. I mean, they put six past pressure on on, um, on one game. And it was that, that that was the sort of game where total strangers were high-fiving you in the stand, you know, because <laughs> none of us could remember when we'd ever seen Bari score six before. It was a long time. And they certainly didn't do it in C or D. And... Um, uh, but it had to be said that Brescia were utterly inept that day and everything that Bari hit did go in. So it was a slightly... You know, I, I wouldn't like people to have the impression that Bari this free storing machine, um, and um, they, they also beat Palmer four. I remember tweeting out Bari Lona yes. after that game. Bari yeah. Lona, nicknamed, and they were winning six nil, and That's then they right. went to Venice the next week and 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 won away. So they did. They did. You know, you can't ask ask for much more. That was the fourth consecutive win. Yes. And what a, an entry! That was October, mid October. They were already at the top at yes. the summit of 
Serie B alongside your Frosinones. So yes. they ended up losing to, to Frosinone away. Yes. But then they strung it back together where they got another eight games undefeated yes. and with only two wins in that block. But still, it's always tough to sustain a challenge for a playoff spot. And I guess considering there was a World Cup involved in this season, smack bang in the middle, and a couple of players left, including the top scorer, they did okay to, to keep the momentum going. I guess they didn't do too well in uh, mid-December until January, but they didn't do too badly. They got a 4 nil win over Parma in January. They had a 4-3 away win over Spal. So there's some real quality and unbelievable results. Very good. Now, I must tell you something about the Parma game. Then, and uh, this is strictly between you and me because I'm talking about a national treasure here. Okay. Gigi Buffon did not have one of his better games in that game of Ben Bari. I mean, he looked every, 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 every day of his 44 years, it has to be said, in that day. So that did slightly flatter Bari. Well, even your dog's got something to say about it. Yes, absolutely. But don't tell anybody I said that because I'll be excommunicated, I suspect. You know, and um, very well received by the crowd. Like I say, he's a national treasure, isn't he? You know, so... Um, absolutely. And they played very well at Spal, actually, apart from the last 10 minutes where they seemed to go completely go to sleep. Uh, but since then, the, the, one, of the, one of the problems we have had, David, is that uh, Walino Gadira, and we all love him, we all love him dearly, hasn't been the same player since the World Cup, it has to be said. He has struggled to find form. I think you find he had, what, 14 goals at, before the World Cup, and he's, I think he's had three since. And he slowed right down. But did he pick up a niggling injury at the World Cup? Because I remember he missed one or two games. I don't know. Nobody mentioned an injury. That's right. I genuinely wondered whether um, um, Ramadan affected him, you know, because it is quite tough for a professional athlete, that, isn't it? When you can't eat or you can't drink water, I think, for the whole time. So it, uh, I wonder whether that affected him or not a little bit. I don't know, but he's obviously he's not unique in that as a professional athlete, but it was quite interesting. But he does seem to have struggled. The one who is carrying an injury is Folaruncho, Michael Folaruncho. Because uh, he didn't play in the um, uh, the first round playoff at um, Sud Tirol, and he's been in and out with injury all season, so he does seem a little bit injury prone. He him, so that that's a bit of a concern for us, that's for sure. Still got a killer forward line there, Kadira did start with uh, Esposito and Antenucci is uh, somewhat of a legend in that part of the world. Uh, some of the players uh, that also started, Caprile, Vicari, Di Cesare, Dorval, Mazzotta, Benedetti, Maiello, Maita. Some of these players will be unknown to a lot of Serie A followers, but uh, you know there's a lot of quality in that side and a lot of quality. Sutirol are, are full of soldiers that don't have any big names. They're, actually, Bari have a few bigger names because they've made a name for themselves but Sutirol don't have that goal scoring capacity they were the lowest scorers I think of the top 10 third best defence in the league and that's the challenge that they're going to pose at the San Nicola on Friday we'll see how that ends up can Kadira break his yes. poor form and, yes. and actually lead Bari to a final. That would be immense. Folarincho wasn't available. He's so good with that drive forward from midfield. Sure, he is. He is. He is indeed. It's just the fitness worries that, 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 that trouble us a bit. That's all, you know. And of course, dear old Antonucci is almost 40 himself, you know. Um, 
I mean, the story about Antonucci, I mean, Vardy broke the bank to uh, to bring him to, to, to the club in the first year in Celiacci, and I think he was meant to do it then. But uh, Regina got off to such a flyer uh, then that Barry could never quite catch them. And then, of course, COVID struck and we had all those, that weird COVID playoff system in the first year in um, in Serie C. And then the second year, it was virtually all behind closed doors, as you remember. And, of course, he's a very skillful player and you can tell he has been an extremely good player. I mean, I really like Antonucci, but he is 40 now and he just hasn't got the legs. But I always hope he's on the pitch when we get a penalty because he is an outstanding penalty taker. I mean, he scored nine goals this season, which is quite good, a good contribution from a 40-year-old. And so where can you see Barty getting goals from? It's very interesting, this, and uh, in this game, because one thing I have to say, the one thing that we are very cautious, and if my buddy was here, <laughs> we'd have to say, unfortunately, in all the time we've been supporting Bari, Bari have this habit of fluffing their lines on the big occasion where there's a big, big crowd so we're really hoping that that little pattern is going to be broken on Friday night. So who's going to score the goals? I think Follerincho can if he's fit. Esposito is very lively, very young but very lively. Uh, Benedetti, of course, and of course Walid Kadira, if he can get some confidence back because he looks fit, he, he looks very fit, and he's always willing, and he's you know he he never gives less than a hundred percent. But he's a very much a confidence player, I think. So he can get some confidence back. And if the big crowd can keep going. And that's the wonderful thing about ultras compared with uh, particularly UK crowds is if things aren't going terribly well, the ultras will keep going. The, the curva will keep going, won't they? You won't get loads of growls of anguish if somebody, you know, um, misplaces a pass and things like that. They do keep going. So that, that that's very a very positive thing. So we hope that'll spur them on. But they're going to find it very difficult against Sudtirol because, as I was saying the other day, <laughs> there's one team. If there's one team in Serie B, you do not want to fall a goal behind to. It's Sudtirol, and so when Rover headed that one in in Cesarini time, oh God, my head just is in my. He hands. just burst through, didn't he? He did. He did. He did. It was a. Um, it was really simple. I mean, it was just a cross from the left, um, from the left hand side, and a oh, beautiful cross in from Casiraghi. Yes, yes, and he just headed it in, and my head was in my hands because I was thinking that could be a huge momentum shifter. That you know, that could be a huge momentum shifter uh, because it means that Sudtirol don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything. Do they just have to play their normal sort of. And the thing about Sotirar, I mean, I've watched them now. We played them in the Serie C, Copper Serie C last year. And, of course, I've seen them twice this year already. And um, so I've seen them live twice and once on the, or twice on the TV now. They are enormous. Have you noticed how big they are, those players? They are really... Big body, physical, big, yeah. Big, God. I mean, they'd make a respectable rugby league team, I think, you know, because they're really big. So, so, so if they well, are, Maybe they'll double up. They're from the north of Italy. Yeah, 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 but exactly, exactly. And um, so I, you look at them, you know, and, and if they're smothering you, they are very, very difficult. And, you know, lots of aimless high balls into their box isn't going to work, isn't going to work at all. It's all about finding some space, maybe in the half spaces or shooting from just outside the box and see if Esposito can can unleash another free kick like that. It was him that hit that brilliant free kick against Genoa. Yes, it was. Yes. We're funny. If we were watching that at a pizzeria, we'd all gone out 
for an evening. We, we had it on the, in a pizzeria and uh, we were going, whoa, where did that come from then? <laughs> it was remarkable. So that was quite funny watching that. He hit it perfectly. He did. He did. We could do one of those on the, on Friday, I think. Plus one from Kadir because he scored a nice goal that night, actually, which surprised us, which was rather nice. And there was a third one. I've forgotten who scored. Was it Benedetti who scored the third one? I can't remember now. It's just outside the um, from outside the box. So they had three really clean hits. So they're probably going to need something like that, I suspect. Oh, we'll see. I mean, if Follerinchero can get on the score sheet, they've won their last two at home when he scored. Yes. And Sutirol are five uh, from the last five away games. I think they haven't won any in Serie B. So right. there are a couple of uh, omens there. Perhaps Bali need to capitalise on those. And, of course, the coach, Michele Mignani, is a defender. So it's all about keeping a clean sheet, yeah. just getting that one goal, that yes. one goal. Yes. And and I will just clarify again for, for fans that are going to watch it or follow it or look up the score at the end. All Bari need is to win 1-0. Yes, they are trailing 1-0, but because they're a higher-ranked team at the end of the Serie A home and away season, they kind of exalt rank. They, they go into the next phase, which would be the playoff final, because they were the higher placed team. It, the incentive is there for Sutirol to try and score a second goal in this uh, home and away leg. And I guess that's the good thing about the playoffs, isn't it, Jeremy, where it's not just uh, home and away, away goals, and you can park the bus and hope the other team doesn't score. Sutirol, it's kind of like they have half a goal, not really a full goal here. Because if Bari just get one, yes. that's it, they're done. Yes, yes. And th- th- there's a lot of psychological factors to take into account, which is, is absolutely fascinating. I mean, I, I was watching the other semi final the other day, and, and uh, I, I think that. Um, um, Palmer got what I call 2 nilitis. You know, they went 2 nil up and they weren't quite sure what to do with that. <laughs> so they kind of <laughs> stepped back a bit and let Calorie right back into it. You know, it's quite funny. So there is an awful lot, a lot, awful lot of psychological factoring to go on here and how to play this, how to play these games. It makes it absolutely fascinating. But the other big worry is, David, you will have seen that Bari have only won seven games at home all season. Seven out of 19, which is not a great return for a team that's in um, third place. So that's got to change. So we're really looking for a performance, which we haven't seen for most of the season. So that's going to be a big, big thing. You know, perhaps now is the time to turn that around. The odds are on it, aren't they, from that point of view? Yeah, decent away performance. And last time you actually played Sutirol uh, a month or two ago, you won it in the, the end of the game. Similar to what Rover did to yes. Bari on the weekend, it was uh, Moracchioli that, that scored in the 93rd minute. Maybe he needs to come in and repeat that feat, but do it at home instead of away at the Druzo. It would be a very popular um, very popular move for the fans if he was to play or to come on, that's for sure. But as you know, that league game that we won at um, Sudtirol, it was almost an identikit of the playoff game. It's just that Sudtirol got the goal when Bari got it the last time. It was quite extraordinary. It was almost like an identikit. Very few attempts on goal. And I'll just give you this comparison uh, um, for interest's sake. At the end of the game, we were looking at the statistics on uh, Sky Calcio and Sudtirol had had five attempts on goal in the whole game and Bari had had five attempts on goal as well. When Sudtirol beat um, Regina in the elimination round, Sudtirol had three attempts on goal. Regina had had 18. <laughs> Statistics don't always tell the full story, but I think 
there it, it does have a narrative of its own, doesn't it, Jeremy? Yeah, ab- absolutely. But Bari and uh, Sutura are, are the two difficult to beat teams in the division, essentially. So it's going to be very, very tense on Friday night. So um, I'm going to have, I should be drinking plenty of water, I think, to keep hydrated. <laughs> Yeah, just in case they call you off the bench to score the winner. Well, it could be. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yes. It might be bowling that we're all hearing about. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah, well, your surname would make for a great headline. Bowls over Sutirol. <laughs> yes, it would. I could probably I could probably match them on the weight front, some of their, their bigger players, that's for sure. But I, I'm not sure I could beat them in a 50-meter. Sprint. Uh, <laughs> the foot race, if you're through for one-on-one. No? <laughs> Yes, yes. I think I, 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 I wouldn't be betting heavily on that, <laughs> that's for sure. Bring some of that English magic back to Bari. David Platt days. As they say, it's the older you get, the better you used to be. <laughs> true, so true. About, I haven't talked about my mate. It, it, it's, it, I go, no, it's, it's really funny. He was quite a good footballer when he was younger. And it, I, I used to say to him, I'm amazed that your team weren't in the Premier League, Nice, the way he described some of the things that our lot should be doing and you, your lot would have done when you were younger. <laughs> that's quite funny. We've all got the glory days, the glory stories. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough on them. The one thing we will have, of course, is the crowd advantage because I doubt Sutterill will bring more than 100. It's a long journey. But for those 100, you've all heard Jeremy's tips now about where to go and have something to eat and what to see if you are in Bari for this one. Do you think that if Bari can do this, the San Nicola will erupt the way it did back when Antonio Cassano scored his debut goal in Serie A against Inter? That glorious finish, the solo run through two or three defenders and, and what a finish that was. Can they bring back that kind of atmosphere and feeling? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely no doubt about that. The place is just waiting to explode. You know, it'll be there. There'll be a lot of flares, a lot of smoke. I don't... I. I don't. I don't think there'll be much choreography because I don't think they have much time to prepare it. But uh, there'll be a lot of a lot of smoke. And of course, in the refurbished um, stadium, they've put a whole load of new um, um, LED lights in for floodlights, so they can do this spectacular light show as well. You know, before and after games, which is really nice and uh, which would be good. But let, let me just. Um, I just want to mention that Cassano goal, which is amazing. Um, that goal, because everybody knows that goal. But when you get the when, when you look at that on YouTube, go and have a look at the first goal in that. I've forgotten the lad's name. It was a young nineteen-year-old lad who scored that. It's just as good, and uh, everybody's just completely forgotten about him. I've completely forgotten his name. I had it written down somewhere. Yeah, everyone. That's it. We all think it's only one goal. Hugo, Hugo, and then Vieri, then Cassano. Really, is a really spectacular goal, and this point it just shows how fate can play a part because he was really injury prone and never kicked on after that but you'd have thought he was the sensation as much as anything if you saw that and Cassano stole in his thunder well going back a, a, a couple of years we for the gentleman ultra we put together a Bari team of the 1990s and uh, that you can actually check that on oh, the website. Saw, yeah. Fontana was in there, Zambrotta, yeah. uh, then it was yeah. uh, Lorenzo yeah. Amoruso, he's part of the Serie A World Feed team now from Monza that does the, the games with us. Yeah. Luigi Sala, centre-back, Robert Yani, Zvonimir Boban, uh, yeah. There was Thomas Doll, David Platt, of course, representing the United Kingdom, Antonio Cassano, of course, and the main man that we all love so much is Igor Proti, cult hero. Absolutely, yes. He, he's the man. 
And the other guy people talk very warmly about is Klaus Ingerson. You know, it's it, it, you know he's, he's often referred to in very warm terms on Bari uh, website. No longer with us, sadly, but um, he, he, he's spoken of very very warmly, indeed. Talking of which, did, did you see our selfie with uh, David Platt the other week? This was our great coup. The FC Bari Brits. I haven't, but I'm going to look that up. And if I can find it, I'm going to put this in the show notes so people can go and have a look at that. That's brilliant. So where did you see David? Was it in Bari at the stadium? He it was, it, it was actually going into the stadium and we were just going in our, our particular entrance, which is the one along which he was going into. And my buddy said, he's there, because we, we, knew, we, we knew he was going to be there. We thought we'd never get near him. So we both, we both went dashing over to him. He was a nice guy. I did a little chat with him. And um, it was very charming. And uh, so we had a selfie. And we're pretty sure one of the Matarazzi family <laughs> took him for us because he said, I'm staying with the family that looked after him when I came to Bari. So they very patiently took this, this photograph of us two English idiots, you know, beaming with <laughs> David being very patient. It was very funny. It was quite a coup, quite a coup. But he was very charming. Fanboys, fanboys. So great to see. No matter what age we are, we, we absolutely love these older players, you know, from the glory days coming back in. He played there in 1991-92, scored 11 goals in Serie A. So, of course, he, he belongs in the museum of Bari greats. He does. I, I, I had to po- poach that goal he scored for England against Belgium in the well, in Italia 90, just to remind people who he was, you know, particularly our Italian friends. I said, if you course. know who he is, this is him. You know, Gascoigne's free kick and um, Platt's going that amazing volley. Quite funny. It was a very funny moment that we really enjoyed that. It was great. And that was at the San Nicola. It was. He was very patient. He'd been doing something that they've opened a little museum in the museum. Uh, they've opened a section dedicated to Bari, the football in Bari. And um, I think he was presenting a shirt and a couple of items to it and things that had all been arranged. There were lots of photo ops around the museum with his um, hosts. And he came to the game. I think it was Cittadella, the game he came to. And um, anyway, we saw him, we were just walking, we just saw him purely by chance, you know. So um, so we went up and grabbed our fanboy moment, which is very funny. Le- le- left my wife completely, completely unmoved. <laughs> she said, who's that? <laughs> yeah, my partner's, my, my, my partner's the same, Jeremy. Too yeah. much football, according to her, so... But Mignani just needs a clean sheet. He is a defender. Uh, back in his playing days, he played at Spal, Monza, Siena, made his debut with yeah. Samp until his retirement in 2009. He's coached at yes. Obia, Siena, Modena, and Bari since 2021, having instant success. It's on the bounce to from Chi to B, and perhaps he could take Bari to their 31st season in Serie A. I think your dog agrees with me there. He'd love to see that. And... Uh, the last time they were there is you'd moved to Bari around that time when they were in Serie A back in 2009, 10, 11. Yes, that's right. We, we, we moved here in actually 2008 and um, they were there and then they got relegated. Then I, I, the one season I missed was their first season back in B, I think, because I, I had a period of illness and also had to had some work commitments. But I was ill for quite a long time in that year. So I missed quite a lot of that season. But other than that, I've, I've, I've hardly missed a game around that, you know, through B, bankruptcy and down to D. And, um, I mean, looking back at it, D was a lot of fun, actually. But, of course, it's always helped when you know you're going to win the division because you would not want to get stuck there, that's for sure, or even Serie G, really, you know. 
that was difficult enough getting out of that. I mean, yeah, it's so hard to get out of once you're there. It is. It is. I mean, it took Lecce six years to get out when they went down. I think people have forgotten that, but they were they were stuck in sea for six years, and um, you know, and it can get quite quite dispiriting because it's just so hard, isn't it, with the one place and then the incredibly complex playoff system, which our mutual friend Andy Wallace is so good at. Uh, telling us all about and giving us all the lowdown on that. That's you can decipher sure. the code, the lower league code in yes. Italy. So you've been there since the Paolo Vito Barreto days. Ciccio Caputo was there. Oh, yes. Maniero was there. Yes. Uh, Galano was, was there as well. And now it's the Kedira yeah. Mignani mixed with the Follarunso era. So we'll see if, uh, of course, we have to mention Elia Caprile in goal. He's been phenomenal. So... Oh, he has. Oh, he he, he has been the signing. He, for me, he has been the signing of the season. He's been so good, so good. He's just given the defence so much more confidence. You know, so, um, and he's only young. He's playing for the under-21s now, isn't he? The Azuri under-21s, I'm very pleased about. He's involved, yeah, he's yeah. Three million they, it cost Bari to get him, but it's been yes. a, a brilliant signing, yeah, as, as you said. They yeah, brought absolutely, in absolutely. Uh, another couple of goalkeepers, Eduardo Sari and Pierluigi Fratali, but Caprile is the main man. Uh, Vicari has come in. Uh, also, you know, a few other names. Uh, the chairs it is around and uh, Giacomo Ricci and Mekdi Dorval. So, look, we'll see what can happen uh, this Friday night, Jeremy. Uh, our thoughts and uh, hopes are with you. I won't say prayers, not just yet. So it could, no, no. they could go with Sutro. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know, but it's going to be such a brilliant game to watch. Bari have to come out and score. So it's there. I think it's going to be telecast live around the planet uh, from Fox Soccer host Serie B. And of course, you can watch it on Hellbiz in Italy, as well as uh, the other channels, the subscription channels. Uh, where, where do you watch Bari if you're at home and they're, they're playing away? Oh, we have Sky Calcio, which is very good. Sky Calcio, which covers a lot of B and C. And uh, I noticed that 11 sports are, are giving up in Italy next year, and that's all moving to DAZN. So if everybody wants to watch lower, lower league stuff in Italy, DAZN is going to be the place to be. But we watch it on Sky Calcio. They have quite a good package. And um, if anybody's at the stadium, we will be there, definitely there, in the Tribuna Ovest Inferiore. So we will definitely be there. Perfect. And it's and if you want to get in contact with Jeremy before that or even after, it's at FC Bari Brit. How many Bari Brits are there, Jeremy? There's just two of us. Yeah, there's um, there's it's my my own name I use, Jeremy Bowling at FC Bari Brit. And my, my pal Nigel, who a lot of people contact, he's known as the second FC Bari Brit. So it's just the two of us. If if Facebook is more your bag, we're all, we're also on Facebook and we're members of the uh, um, Gliamici della Bari group, which is a really good group to be a member of. So that's good. So that's nice. And so we'll all be there on Friday. Great to know. And hopefully, hopefully, I might get there for the second leg of the final. Yes, we'll see. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah, it would be great to meet up and maybe catch a, a couple of those places you've mentioned at the top of the show. We'll leave it there, Jeremy. But thanks so much for joining us on Lego Football. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you coming on, especially it's a nervy week with Bari, 1 0 down. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, David. I really enjoyed that. It's great to be able to, to speak to you about that. And I've always really enjoyed the podcast, I have to say. So it's an absolute privilege to be honest.
Ciao. Jeremy Bowling at FC Bari Brit on Twitter. Uh, check him out on Facebook as well. We'll put a couple of links in the show notes as well of this podcast available everywhere from Apple to Spotify and beyond. If you want to check Lego Football out on Twitter, it is at Lego Football. We're also on TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm David Freeney, your Lego Football host. Thanks for joining, Jeremy. This is Lego Football.